Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come before you and your folks. Father, we pray now that your word will go out and it will not return void. Father, we pray that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so this guy from Tyson Chicken got an opportunity to meet with the Pope. And when he sat down after he received this papal blessing, he said, hey, Pope, at Tyson Chicken, we, got a, we want to talk about a deal with you. If you could change the Lord's Prayer from daily bread to daily chicken, we will make a $500 million contribution to the church. And the Pope said, son, that's not really how that works. It's, it's God's Word. He said, really, if it could say daily chicken, we probably could do a billion-dollar donation to the church. And the Pope said, I understand what you're trying to do, son, but that's really not how this works. So he said, Pope, how, how, I'm authorized that we can do a $5 billion deal if you just say daily chicken instead of daily bread. So the next day, the Pope is in a meeting with all the cardinals, and he said, I got good news and I got bad news. Good news is the church come involved with $5 billion. Bad news is we lost a Wonder Bread account. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I'll, t I'll still take all the suggestions y'all can have. All right, so we, we have been going through a, 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 a kind of a little series, mini-series, of, of, and we keep drilling down to, to, we talked about the covenant and why the covenant was special to us and then all the stuff that went with it. And last week we talked about who was steering the ship, right? And one of the scriptures we used last week, it was out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so... Whatever your heart's full of is what comes out of your mouth. So we need to know what our heart needs to be full of, right? So, so we're going to start today with, um, if I can open my book. <clears throat> we're going to start today with, with the gospel according to Matthew. Because, I mean, Jesus was concerned over this too, right? And, and his folks were concerned over it. Um, so the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verse 34. And hearing that, Jesus, hearing that, Jesus silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, when you're talking about Sadducees and Pharisees, they had no concept of grace and love. They knew black and white. This is what it said. This is how you wash your hands. This is how, you, how many miles you can walk. This is what you have to cook. This is how you have to eat. They had no understanding of the grace that God had given us through Jesus. So Jesus replied, the love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is <clears throat> like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all of the law hangs on these two. So when you want to know what the abundance of our heart should be, we should be full of love. Now, I don't know if y'all know this or not, and I didn't do it for every version, but in the New um, International Version, which is what I read mostly, the word love is said 686 times in the Bible. That's a lot. 686 times in the Bible the word love is. Now, if you go into the definition of that, there is the God kind of love and filio and all the different kinds of loves. But, but in English, the words that we have, love is mentioned 686 times. So if we love our neighbor, if we love our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, then 
you don't have to worry about the rest of the commandments, right? Because you can't murder somebody you love. You don't envy somebody you love. You don't steal from somebody you love. You don't commit adultery against somebody you love, right? All of this stuff takes, takes care of itself. So when we worry about the abundance of our heart, our heart should be so full of the love of God that we love our neighbor as ourselves. We should be the picture of Christ, right? Because Jesus, right? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that he died. We didn't have to. We didn't have to go to hell. So that love of us that God sent for us, when we love each other, we are mimicking how Christ treated us first. So the most important thing we have to do is to love one another, right? And the more we love one another and the more we walk in love and are established in love and rooted and grounded in love, all this other stuff becomes easier and easier. It's easy to be charitable when you're rooted and grounded in love. It's easy to give grace when you're rooted and grounded in love. It's easy to give forgiveness when you're rooted and grounded in love. It's hard to be offended when you're rooted and grounded and, being, and you're in love, right? See that all the stuff that comes against us, all the angst, all the attacks, the more we're centered in love, the word's not easy, but it, it becomes easier, right, to, to live according to God's word. Because if we put God's love first, then everything else becomes a shadow. That bright light that is Christ in us, shining to the world, everything else becomes a shadow. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to stand in attacks, right? Last Sunday, I stood right here. I challenged all of y'all. We were going weak. We're not going to complain. We're not going to be negative. We're not going to talk bad about folks, right? Y'all remember that? <clears throat> Sunday afternoon... I jumped on the lawnmower for just a second because I had a couple things to do this week. And I had to get it done. The second pass on the lawnmower, I knocked the window out of Savannah's car. The second pass. And my week turned exactly like that with my whole week. And there were a couple times this week that where I felt myself with the urge to complain. Not going to do it. And a couple times I had people, are you mad? Are you upset? Did I do something to offend you? Nope, I'm good. Just keeping my trap shut. That's what I'm doing. I'm working on keeping my trap shut. Because when you decide that you're going to live according to the Bible or, or you're going to live according to God's word, it, it, stuff comes against you. I mean, and I'm telling you, like 2.30 Sunday afternoon, boy, I wanted to complain. I mean, I really, oh, Lord, it was tough. But we're not going to do it, right? We're going to move forward and we're going to grow and develop and become who we're supposed to be. So who tried it? Who tried the challenge? Come on, show your hands. One? One person listened last week? Oh, two. Okay. Yeah, I said tried. I didn't say you were successful. I didn't expect you to be successful. To be mindful of knowing what comes out of your mouth. Right? So, so now we have to be mindful of how we treat people, right? We know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week we talked about self-control. This week we went to the other end and we're going to talk about love. Now love is, love is named first because it's the most important, right? Jesus said the greatest commandment I give you is that you love your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that seems like a very simple, very simple thing to do, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Until your neighbor doesn't do something you like, and then you go, man, I don't know if I like them that much or not. All right, so <clears throat> our goal as Christians is we were to be more like God, right? We were to be more like Jesus. That is our goal. So 1 John, that's a little John. That's, that's back there like three from the back if you're looking. 1 John 
Come on. <clears throat> Chapter 4. In verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does this, whoever does not love, does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So when we're talking about how valuable love is to us, if it's I mean, truthfully, if it's not for the love of God to send his son to die for our sins, then, then, then we, don't, we, we don't even really exist, right? The Christian body doesn't exist. It cannot be a Christian body, a body of Christ, without the love of God sending Jesus first, right? He loved us before we loved him by a long shot, right? Because Jesus, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Nothing was created without Him. So that valuable piece of creating the universe was then set up as a sacrificial lamb. Why? Because He owed it to us? No. Because He thought it was the right thing to do? No. Because He loved us and did not want us to have to suffer in death and hell. When Adam sinned in the garden and gave man a sin nature... There was no redemption with us for us without the love of God. There's no way for us to avoid that inevitable outcome without God's love being given to us. And so what we're talking about today is knowing what God has done for us, that God is love, that he loved us. Um, verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and he has sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, right? Not that we are so good that we love God, that God is so good that he loved us. And that love is invaluable to us, that there's nothing that we can do to, to equate to it, to, to add up to it. The whole world could love you, and if God didn't love you, it would still mean nothing. Without his love, we don't have a savior. Without his love, we don't really exist in the current state, okay? <clears throat> um, first Peter. We, 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 we going around some stuff today. <clears throat> first Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So, so when we are... In our day-to-day -day life, when we're in our daily walk, when we're, we're talking to our, our spouse, when we're talking to our children, to our co-workers, to, to the people on the street, to the people in the restaurant, to the people that on, on our um, riding down the road, we, we think about loving our spouse and our, m most people think about loving their spouse and their children every day, right? We don't have to worry about whether you love your spouse or love your children, I mean, most Folks go along with that pretty easily, right? I mean, everybody agree? Most of y'all love your spouse and most of your children? Okay. So, I mean, in general, right, that's pretty easy. It, it's not a stretch to say that I love my wife or I love my children. But it's a lot more difficult to say that I love the stranger on the street or I love the folks in other countries or I love the people in other states or whatever. Or I love the person who cut me off in traffic or I love the person who was rude to me at the restaurant. I mean... It's easy to love the people who love you, right? I mean, if God only loved the people that loved him first, it'd be a much shorter list. 
But, but what we're trying to do is to love like God loves. That's the world. That's the everybody. That's the every race, every creed, every color, every age, every dialect, every everything. Because if we're going to look like Christ, then we are to love the world. Right? I mean, that's what it says, right? He so loved the world, and we want to mimic him and look like him. So our job is to love the world. Now, sometimes it is really difficult sometimes to love just the folks that are involved in the body of Christ. You know, I mean, it's hard when you know people to love them all the time. I mean, y'all can all be quiet if you want to, but you know you got folks that it is hard to love. And I'm not even talking about loving the folks inside the body of Christ, right? I mean, that's a gimme. That should be like your spouse and your children. We're talking about loving the world. See, when Jesus came and he talked about the good news, when he sent the disciples, they talked about the good news. The good news, go spread the good news. Well, I can tell you the good news is not walking around on the street telling people you are a sinner and you're no good and you're trash and you're going to hell. That's not good news. No, anybody think that's good news? That's not good news. So what's the good news? The good news is, is that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That I love you like he loves you. You know how many folks there are who are on drugs or who have done bad things or maybe in jail or have had bad pasts that don't hear the words, I love you? I mean, I grew up in a very sheltered home in a very small bubble. My parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of you people have told me all my life how much they love me. But you think about the folks that are on the street or the folks that are that are lonely or the folks that are in prison or the folks that are on drugs, how often do they get told that they're loved? Well, how much does that cost? How much does it cost you to tell somebody that I love you and Jesus loves you? It, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's invaluable to them, but it really doesn't cost you a lot. It doesn't cost you a lot to treat them with kindness and grace and respect and love. And you become a much better witness for Christ when you treat people with love and kindness and respect than you do with disdain. And the, the, <clears throat> I heard a joke the other day, and there's this lady sitting in a church, and, and she came to the pastor and she said, I can't go to church here anymore. And he's like, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. Why is that? She was like, well, I counted the other day, and there were like 35 people looking at their phones while you were preaching. And there were a couple people talking and some people not paying attention. He said, really? Well, I'm very sorry. You're not going to still come to church with us, but will you give me one chance? And she said, yeah, but how can you fix that? And he said, well, next week when you come to church, if you'll just focus on me and what I'm saying, and then tell me how many people were playing on their phone." See, you can't tell if people are not paying attention if you're paying attention. If you're looking front and center and, and listening to every word, you can't figure out what everybody else is doing. If we walk in love and grace and kindness, you can't tell what everybody else is doing because all you see is love. You start treating people with love and kindness and grace, a lot of the conflicts go away. And look, people are not going to like you if they're not going to like you. It is what it is. But if we had a chance to be, it, me personally, 
if I have a chance to be not liked because I was aggravating or annoying or, or said something smart or whatever, or not liked because I was loving and kind and gracious, I would much rather be loving and kind and gracious. I mean, Jesus was loving and kind and gracious, and they nailed him to a tree, right? Can't please everybody. But our goal is to be the beacon of the world, right? To be the light of the world, the, the, the ambassadors of God, the hands and feet of Christ, and that's through love. That body only works through love. Hate and discontent, and it does not prosper. When you sow love into the ministry or into the world, and, and look, you have a ministry. I mean, Philip's ministry is in the Philippines, and my ministry is in St. Stephen. But you have a ministry, too, in your house, in your job, in your friends. Wherever you go, you're a walking ministry, I had to do a funeral yesterday, and Mr. Bobby reminded me something that, that Granddaddy used to say, right? <laughs> we don't have very long funerals, right? Because you preach your funeral your whole life, and then when the guy stands up in the front, he's just giving you the cliff notes. We don't have to go through the whole thing. So you, you live your ministry your whole life. And if it's a ministry of sour hate and discontent, it's not a very good ministry, it's not a very good way to go about doing things. But if it's a ministry of love and grace and kindness, and that we go about our day trying to be a blessing to the people around us, a much better ministry. I mean, you know, I've said it before, but I've seen Christians who want to take the Bible and beat people about the head and neck area with it. And that does no good. Why would you want to tell them what they're doing wrong? What, what did the Bible say? Did you, you worry about the speck in your neighbor's, neighbor's eye and you have a plank sticking out of yours? I, I, I'd much rather have grace and love and kindness that we're, we ain't looking in my eyes. We're we look, we looking at Jesus. When we want to compare me to something, we want to compare to love and grace and kindness. And, and look, this is, a, this is a simple topic. Yet, it's one of the most difficult ones I've ever seen to live out every day. Because you could say, yeah, well, I mean, I walk in the love of God. Absolutely, that's, I am that. And somebody cuts you off, and you go, you so-and-so, you cut me off. You, you'll never merge back. I mean, just me. It's probably just me. Or somebody gets your order wrong, or they take too long, or they treat you bad, or they drive the lawnmower by your car and knock your window out. I mean, you know, whatever things. It's Whatever. As we grow and develop as the body of Christ, love has to be the flag that we stand behind. It has to be the thing that we count on. We, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to show people what Jesus looks like. Like the lady who was caught in adultery, right? And they, and they brought her to her and said, we're going to stone her. Okay, fine, we're going to stone her. And Jesus turned around and started drawing in the dirt. And he said, whoever doesn't have any sin, y'all go ahead and throw the first rock. And he drew in the dirt some more. Were they right that she should have been stoned according to the law? Yeah, that's what it said. Did grace and love add up to be more than what the law is? Absolutely. And that's the entire key. He showed her grace and love and mercy by putting it back on the people that were attacking her. He showed them their inadequacies by giving her grace and love. And every time you think you're at a, a moral high point, all you got to do is a little bit of retrospective 
look inside of who you are, and you'll come down a couple of notches. But when we live in love and grace, we are the light to the community. We're the light to the world. That's our job. All right, Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, I, pray to, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with his power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you are rooted and established in love. When we become mature Christians, right? Paul talks about when we were babies, we, we, we drank milk. And then as we mature, we were to, to eat meat. When we start eating meat and becoming better Christians, not to this sport, not to this a measurement, we become more mature. We start doing our job. We start living up to, you know, I liken it to little kids. When you start tying your own shoes, when you can put your shirt and pants on and they're going in the right direction, the shoes are on the right feet. Maybe you can brush your own teeth. That kind of Christian, right? Not a baby Christian, not a little seedling Christian, but a Christian just old enough to where they can start to understand. That is absolutely with the time to where we start to practice this habit. To be rooted and established in love. And the deeper we get into it, the better witness you are to the world. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think there's anything better in the entire planet than leading somebody else to Christ. Amen. Developing more disciples helping people understand what the love of God means. There's not a more fulfilling thing. There's not a more fulfilling thing in my job. I mean, I've done baptisms and I've done um, christenings and I've done weddings and I've done funerals and I've done whatever. But if you want to know where it's really, really good, the really, really good stuff is having another believer except Christ. And you can't do that if you have a sour, horrible attitude and you're mean and nasty all the time. People don't want to act like you. They don't want what you got. But when we are rooted and established in love, we have this air about us, this glow about us, to where when we talk and act and handle ourselves in situations, the people want to know what makes us different. And that's the best door, right? That's the best door. The best way to have an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus is acting like Jesus. It's not acting like the devil and then telling them that the other side is better. That's not a good commercial. <clears throat> now, y'all knew we were going to 1 Corinthians, right? I mean, you can't talk about love if we don't talk about 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to try to read 1 Corinthians. I'm going to do my best. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men or in angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and I have in faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, and do not have love, I gain nothing. <clears throat> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, we did this one time in a Bible study. And the challenge was, is to read verses 4 through 6 with your first name in place of love. Right? Because if we're love, if we're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ and God is love, so then we want to read this to where, you know, William is patient, William is kind, William does not envy, William does not boast, William is not proud, William does not dishonor others, William is not self-seeking. See how difficult that would be to have to put your name in one of those things? Because if we are part of the body of Christ and in love, we should be able to read that with our name in it, right? I mean, I, I use Williams, <clears throat> that Robbie keeps no records of wrongs. Robbie does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, right? It, it, it is so humbling of an experience to try to put your name and read those scriptures. Yet, if you read it in a different way and you said, Jesus is patient, and Jesus is kind, and Jesus does not envy, and Jesus does not boast, and Jesus is not proud, and Jesus does not dishonor others, Jesus is not self-seeking, Jesus is not easily angered. That's easy, right? You can easily put his name in that scripture and not even have any kind of regret. However, when you put your name in it, I mean, I, I'm just, for me, I, I'm sorry, not yours. I don't know what you think. For me to put my name in where it says love is very difficult because I know me and I know my shortcomings and I know how I really act and I know what I really think, right? And I know how terrible a person I am. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be in the middle of hell with the rest of y'all, right? But as we mature and develop as the body of Christ, we have to strive to be able to say, I am patient, I am kind, I do not envy, I do not boast, I do not keep records of wrongdoing. And that's a very difficult place to be. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you go or whether you're the poorest person in the room or the richest person in the room if you live in a faraway land or you live right across the street or anything else when we get down to the nitty-gritty the body of christ should be able to put their name everywhere it says love in first corinthians 13 and to be a better witness and a better better example to the world that's exactly what's required because like I said, if you put Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, Jesus is not envy, he does not boast, that's easy. You're like, yeah, I agree, exactly. Well, how about you? So not the same kind of challenge this week, but a challenge, because I mean, i got to get you all involved. I want more than one hand next week too, by the way, or three or whatever. I, I need some participation, right? So I want you to go home, and I want you to look in the mirror and read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 with your name 
everywhere it says love. With the straightest face, you can do it. And whether you believe it or not, I don't care, but I want you to do it. And I want you to do it. I want you to say it and then say it again, right? What we heard last week is what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to have. So if you won't, you go, well, you don't understand. I'm not. Well, I get it. You're not. Now start confessing it over yourself. What comes out of your mouth, you're going to have. So when you need to start reading, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I and you might think you already all of those things, and I'll pray for you later if you need, to, if you need prayer. But our goal is, is to develop in love so much that we become such a bright light to the world that people are flocked to us to want to know what makes us different. Because that is a good commercial. And that is what the body of Christ needs. We don't need anybody telling folks what they should and shouldn't be doing. I, I ain't got no time for that. Jesus loves you, and I love you, and we want you to be part of the best club on the planet. We want you to be part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this word. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son for us. Father, we just give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.